If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, as we continue to walk through the Sermon on the Mount, verse by verse. I will begin reading in Matthew 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Praise God for his holy word. Please be seated. Over and over again, as we continue to walk through these verses in the Sermon on the Mount, these words that Jesus preached long ago, they cause us as God's children to examine our life. These words that Jesus Christ preached are a call for those of us who are His to know who they are in Christ, the redeemed saint, and to live their life for Christ knowing that we belong to Him. That God alone changes a person inwardly, and from this inward change will spring forth fruit that pleases the Lord. Remember, we have already learned that the redeemed are the salt of the earth, and they are the light of the world. This is true because God has inwardly given them, His children, a new heart, a heart that can worship them. Because before salvation, our heart could not worship the Lord. Since the fall of Adam in the garden, all of humanity entered this world wicked, without faith, and unable to please God. Therefore, all of humanity naturally denies what is right and accepts that which is false or much easier. Man's natural state without God's glorious gift of salvation is a life lived according to what can be seen with their eyes. Because if we're honest with ourselves, it is easier to focus on what we can visibly see with our eyes. It is much more convenient for us to have a system in which we can measure worldly success It is more comfortable to look at the actions of a child or an adult than it is to examine and care for the state of a person's soul. I am not saying that God is not concerned about a person's external behavior. He absolutely is. But I am declaring that unless an individual has faith in Jesus, if one has not repented of their sins and trusted in Christ alone for their salvation, then a person's external behavior can never, ever, ever please the Lord. External versus internal. 
Outward versus inward. Outside versus inside. Actions versus reality. The worship of the living God is a matter of the heart, not of appearance. Our daily living, our words, our works, our routines, much of our life can be focused upon what is easier, the outward, without a concern for inward holiness. The words of J.C. Ryle are words concerning a heart-focused individual. He said, they are not satisfied with a mere external show of religion. They strive to have always a conscience void of offense and to serve God with the spirit and the inner man. So an outward focus is not to be the way of God's children. In Jesus' opening words this morning in verse 21, he begins with these three words, you have heard. You know, tradition is not the answer unless tradition is biblical. Religion is not the answer unless religion is biblical. What God has breathed is the answer. And it must be the center of our faith, our thinking, as well as our living. Over and over again, we've been confronted with the truth that we can have the right doctrine, the right theology, the right beliefs, but those right doctrine, theology, and beliefs must make their way into appearance of how we live our life. That God is not pleased with we know what the truth is if we're not living according to that truth. You have heard. The only foundation for what we are to believe concerning the Lord, our soul, salvation in this life is found in what God himself has breathed out, the Holy Scriptures. The disciples sitting at the feet of Jesus lived in a culture in which outward appearance was king. And now King Jesus has shown up. He has declared these dividing words, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes or the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Today, Jesus continues to shine the light on the Old Testament scriptures, breaking down the traditions and getting to the heart of the matter. In the remainder of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is dealing with the moral law, the Ten Commandments. This will not be the only time that we hear the words, you have heard that it was said to those of old, or words similar. We will hear this another six times in totality. Six times, you have heard that it was said to those of old, and Jesus will respond with great clarity concerning the law of God by saying, but I say to you, and he will say, but I say to you six times. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you, and we as God's children, we are to listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus is making clear his law to his disciples. Jesus will speak of anger, lust, divorce, oaths, retaliation, and love. He provides six illustrations that point us to the inward man and not to the outward appearances. So let us keep what Christ has already declared in our hearts, that Christ did not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them. Look with me at Matthew 5, beginning in verse 21. This is where we find point number one. God looks at the heart, and the heart goes beyond the outward appearance. God looks at the heart, and the heart goes beyond the outward appearance. 
You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Everyone who insults, whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So Jesus, once again, he gives approval of the Old Testament scriptures by quoting Deuteronomy 5, verse 17, and Exodus 20, verse 13. You shall not murder. Now, Jesus is not teaching a new law, and neither is he altering this Old Testament commandment that he actually breathed out. He is actually approving of his Old Testament law and explaining it. Now, the letter of the law would be, in this case, you shall not murder. Jesus doesn't change this law. He carefully explains its fuller purpose. And so we must ask ourselves a question. Is this commandment limited to just those who have physically taken another life? Is the sixth commandment just about an external act? Is the commandment just the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law? Last year in the United States alone, there was 21,156 known murders. That's an average of 57 murders a day, and this does not include suicide or abortion. The commandment of do not murder is made clear by Christ, for this commandment is a matter of the heart. It is more than the letter of the law. Murder is not the only thing forbidden in this law. Murder is not the only thing that one must be aware of that will cause one to be liable to judgment. The Jews at this time, they thought, if I just don't physically kill somebody, I'll be doing my job. I'm a-okay before the Lord. What does Jesus say? Matthew 5, verse 22. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So the Son of God, he clearly clears up the murky waters of tradition. This commandment is not just an external act. More is included in this commandment. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment, absolutely. Everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. This teaching is a gracious reminder that we will hear what was said to those of old, but we must know what God has said. If there is a call for us to know what God has said and breathed out and preached and taught, the call is now. We need to know what Christ has taught. More than any author, professor, theologian, pastor, teacher, or parent, who cares how many degrees one has received, men's thoughts and traditions may or may not agree with the Holy Scriptures. If they don't agree with the Holy Scriptures, they don't please the Lord. What God has spoken is all that matters in the end. Matthew 5, verse 22, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. So one can be angry and not sin. Jesus taught us this. He modeled this for us. It is called a righteous anger. And skipping to Matthew 21, 
Jesus said these words. And Jesus entered the temple and he drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Jesus did all this and he did not sin. It was a perfect display of righteous anger. The Apostle Paul declared in Ephesians 4, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. This verse is often used within the context of a husband or wife in speaking to other individuals, but we need to be reminded as the church, these words are for all of our relationships. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Righteous anger is when one becomes angry because of an offense against God, his kingdom, his children, his holy word. Righteous anger occurs when brothers or sisters in Christ are concerned for the glory of God and they are disgusted with sin. Jesus is not speaking of righteous anger in Matthew 5, but of unrighteous anger. A selfish and sinful anger. The inner desire to harm, to attack, to destroy a person. The sinful anger of bitterness. The anger of holding a grudge. The anger of resentment. The anger of not forgiving one another. The anger of ignoring God's call of reconciliation. Knowing what we should be doing, but refusing to do it. The anger of revenge. We are liable for judgment or guilty before the court if we are angry with our brother. Bitterness, holding a grudge, resentment, gossip, passionate language, not forgiving, ignoring reconciliation. These are all forms of murder in the eyes of God. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15, strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See too that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it many become defiled. You know the fruit, the fruit of anger is murder. I mean what do we think anger leads to? That we just cover it up? Murder happens because of unrighteous anger. And as God's children, we are to strive for peace with everyone. And unrighteous anger is not striving for peace. It is not the pursuit of holiness. It is not living before the face of God, striving to please him. Romans 12, beginning in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry... Feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. By so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, 
but overcome evil with good. We are to live in harmony with one another. We are not to be evil because we have received evil. We are to do what is honorable in the sight of all. As far as it depends on us, we are to live it peaceably with all, not seeking revenge. We must not be overcome with evil, but we overcome evil with good. So often we have often accepted as God's people, but you don't understand what I have received. But you don't understand what I have been through. You don't understand what has happened to me. I assure you, whatever you have received, whatever you have been through, it is nothing in compared to Christ. Matthew 5, verse 22. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever insults his brother or says, you good-for-nothing, worthless fellow or empty-headed man will be liable or guilty to the council for murder. Slander is not acceptable before the Lord, especially of humanity. We dare not insult or slander what God has created in his image. This is one of the reasons why I have grown over time, especially over the last six, seven months, disgusted with social media. Because so much is said about individuals who were made in God's image. We dare not insult or slander what God has created in his image. To do this is to be guilty of murder in the eyes of God. To slander someone made in the image of God is to slander God himself. Anger with others and insulting others is not accepted in God's eyes. And dearly beloved, God's eyes are all that matter. Your thoughts, your opinion, your tradition, your view, flush it. It's all about the eyes of God. You will never die and stand before any human being. You will die and stand before the Lord. Matthew 5, 22, Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Saying the words you fool or you stupid, that is unrighteous anger. It is condemning and slanderous of someone's character made in the image of God. The Greek word here for you fool is moros. That's where we get the word in English moron. To say you fool was to question a man's character. In the words of William Barclay, it was to brand him as a loose-living and immoral person. We speak with words. Anger, insult, slander, and condemnation of other individuals made in God's image is no small matter to overlook. It is being found guilty of murder, deserving eternal punishment in hell. And that leads us to the end of Matthew 5, verse 22. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Now, for those who were hearing this, they were struck by the word that Jesus used here. It was Gehenna. This was a trash dump that was located outside Jerusalem where fire burned continually. So Christ is painting the picture of torment for the wicked who decide to live this way. 1 John 3, verse 15, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You see, God looks at the heart, and the heart goes beyond the outward appearance. Point number two is this. 
The sin of anger, the sin of anger damages relationships and our worship of the Lord. The sin of anger damages our relationships and the worship of the Lord. Look at Matthew 5, beginning in verse 23. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So anger, slander, condemnation of other individuals made in God's image should not be ignored by us as individuals, as God's children. It should not be ignored by the church for his being found guilty of murder and deserving of eternal punishment in hell. You see, so often the issues that arise within individual churches is that we have our own personal level system that unless somebody reaches to a certain point, we're not going to say anything and we're not going to do anything. The problem is you have a bunch of individuals over a, a period of time where the sin grows and you still can't say anything and you haven't addressed anything, which means the body of Christ has not been the body of Christ. God's children are called to seek reconciliation. We are to have the ministry of restoring relationships. Look at the words carefully used by Jesus in verse 23. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. So we are to make things right, so much so that if we know that someone else has something against us, we are to seek the reconciliation. We don't wait we are to help prevent anger in the lives of other people. This doesn't say if you have something against someone, but if you remember that your brother has something against you. So whatever the heart conflict, the Lord looks to the heart, not to the outward appearance. We are to do the most that we can, as long as it depends on us, to be at peace with everyone. Romans 12, verse 18. So these verses tell us that if a brother or sister is upset with us, if there is known grievances, we should first seek reconciliation and then come before the Lord in worship. What good is it if we are harboring sin or other, another brother or sister in Christ is harboring sin and we come in here and we raise our hands and we worship the Lord? Is that really worship? No. You verbalize things with your lips knowing that your heart is far from God. The Lord is concerned about the heart, not the appearance of worship. He wants true worship. How many times have souls gathered for the worship of the living God and failed to worship him because of not seeking reconciliation with others? How many times have you done this? Have I done this? We must not ignore known grievances. We are not to let the sun go down on our anger. Without reconciliation, anger and bitterness and resentment and hatred and slander and gossip, they will grow and these things lead to murder. We were created to worship the Lord. We are to seek forgiveness. We are to seek reconciliation. 
We are to be in the pursuit of making things right. And why are we making these things right? Because it's about the glory of God. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about pleasing the Lord in all things. Just fast forward, just let's go forward 100 years. Let's say 100 years, Christ has already come back. We're with the Lord in heaven. What is heaven going to be like? So as God's people, should, should we strive to bring heaven here and how we act and how we treat others and, and how we pursue Christ and, and how we worship the Lord in, in all things? Yeah, but pastor, man, that, that just seems like a lot of work. Well, if Christ has commanded it, we should do it. If Christ has said, this is what you are to do, this is how you are to live, this is what you are to pursue, then we dare not come before the Lord after we die and say, Lord, I know you said this, but Christ's going to be like, I gave you my word, I preserved my word, you have my word, do my word. We must not ignore known grievances. We were created to worship the Lord. We are to seek forgiveness. We are to seek reconciliation. And we are to be in the pursuit of making things right for the glory of God. It's the worship of the Lord. John Stott said, If we want to avoid committing murder in God's sight, we must take every possible positive step to live in peace and love with all men. I love what William Barclay said. By Jesus' standards, a man is not a good man until he never even desires to do a forbidden thing. Man, you start evaluating your life based on those words, ouch. When your husband or your wife or your friend says something they, they should not say, and you start thinking highly of yourself because you didn't verbalize it, but you were thinking it, and then you start examining your motives, your inner thoughts, to what Christ has declared to us, ouch. Like the fact that Jesus never sinned once, that means he never sinned externally, he never sinned internally. Every step that we are to take, every step that we can take, we are to make us as Christians, shepherding our own soul and shepherding the souls of others. Matthew 5, 25 says, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So the Lord has given all of his children new hearts, and those hearts are to worship the Lord. They are not to be filled with the sin of anger. Worship is often prevented by God's children because we are so full of anger. We are so full of something that we think this is what should happen, and because it didn't happen, it's all about me, and I have the right to be angry, except this life is not about you, and this situation is not about you. This life is about the glory of God. This situation is about the glory of God, and we are to please the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6, when one of you has a grievance against one another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? 
Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers, but brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers? To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? So Christians are to pursue reconciliation. And over a period of time, if we just ignore things, what it can lead to is absolutely the law and the systems. We are to seek peace with those who accuse us. J.C. Ryle said, Ignorance of the real meaning of the law is one plain reason why so many do not value the gospel and content themselves with a little formal Christianity. He said they do not see the strictness and holiness of God's Ten Commandments. If they did, they would never rest till they were safe in Christ. So getting to our personal application of these verses for us and looking at this and what Ryle has just said is that we've become so content with just the reading of God's law, do not murder, that we don't care about fulfilling anything that I have anger in my soul, I have anger in my heart, I have anger in my life, I am bitter, I am resentment toward all this. I'll just look, look all over that. What that means is we have taken God's word, what God has breathed out himself and said, I don't don't really care about it that much. The surface level, do not murder, is not the commandment. We must look to the heart. When it comes to the worship of God, we must not see, we must see to our own hearts. Yes, absolutely, amen. But we must also see to the hearts of those that we have relationships with. You see, this is where it grows. Many of us, we don't address sin in other people's life because we don't address our own. The outward appearance of worship falls extremely short. How sad it is when the Lord's children need lost souls to handle matters of the heart. How sad it is knowing that Christ has forgiven us of everything and we refuse to forgive others. Spurgeon said, Christ here shows us that the commandment you shall not murder deals with anger. It deals with angry words. It deals with words of cursing, with words of derision. All these are killing things, hurting and wounding things. And the passion of anger is forbidden under the commandment you shall not murder. People have not thought so, but it really is so. For he who is angry with his brother is a murderer. There is the spirit, the essence of that which leads to murder and the passion that breeds malice and revenge. The law of God is spiritual. It touches the emotions, the thoughts, the desires, as well as the words and actions of all men. If I desire ill for someone, I have within me what would desire his death. And that is that, after all, but murder in the heart. You see, heart problems, they are worship problems, and we must see to them as the Lord's children and address them in love as brothers and sisters in Christ. The sin of anger, it damages relationships. It damages our worship of the Lord. And if you want to continue with that process, it damages our relationship with God. 
Matthew 5, 17. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth, that proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands, that does not defile anyone. We must listen to the words of Jesus, but I say to you. Christ is the one who has made us. Christ is the one who knows us perfectly. Christ knows what we are hiding, what we refuse to talk about. Christ knows what we are ignoring. Christ knows what we are sweeping underneath the rug. And yet we come into this building every Sunday and we, are, we have things in our life in, what, in which we must deal with and we don't understand that we are hindering other people in their worship and we are hindering our own worship. So what do we do if we have anger as God's children? In simplistic terms, confess it. Come before the Lord and confess your anger before a holy God. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Ask the Lord to change your heart away from anger. Pray to God for the anger to leave and for comfort and peace to come. Pray that he would remind you through the reading of his word that this life is about him, that this life is about his glory, and it's not about you. Therefore, whatever happens to us, we know where we're going. We're going to heaven. We need to pray to God for the anger to leave and for comfort to come. So what are you to do if you have known grievances that exist in your life? Go and seek reconciliation. As long as it depends on you, go. Get it done. Don't wait and put off what you can do tomorrow while you have today. You are to pursue peace. Otherwise, don't be coming in here proclaiming peace. Take care of your heart. Take care of the hearts of others. For heart problems, they are worship problems. Grievances damage the worship of the Lord. Romans 12, 18 is crystal clear. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Not just unbelievers, but with believers. We are to be people who strive to make whatever is wrong right because that's what our master does. Bitterness, grudges, resentment, hatred, slander, gossip, whatever it is. If we need to ask for forgiveness, we need to do what we can to make things right. Because in the end of the day, it is not about your pride. It's not about my pride. It's all about the glory of God. Every year, this time of year, I get excited because I love seeing lights on the Christmas trees. I love seeing lights on the houses. I know some people, that doesn't mean much to them. That's fine. You can be wrong. Um, <laughs> but I have like this little reading room in my house in the back, and I plug in lights most of the time, even when I'm not in that room. And it's a constant reminder to me that if I am actually going to go and to be the light and to be the salt of the world that God has called me to be, that God has made me, 
then I need to deal with the things of my own heart and to deal with the hearts of those who are around me, not because it's about me, but because it's about the glory of God. We are to do the hard things as God's children. We are to focus on the heart, not on external appearances. The world, they might focus on outward acts. Men and women might look at outward appearances, but this is not true in the courtroom of God. Therefore, it must not be true in the church. Our great God looks at the heart. I love what Michael Green said this week in his commentary. He said, hatred may not be accountable in a court of law, but it is to have no place among members of the kingdom. Anger will have to face the judgment of God. We talk about God's grace and God's mercy. Let's just be completely honest. What do we have to be angry about? We are alive and well this morning. God has given us another day in which we can worship him and everything and every area is not going as we see fit. But I promise you, this life is not about you. It's about the glory of God. Let's please the Lord while we are here. God looks at the heart and the heart goes beyond the outward appearance. The sin of anger, it damages relationships and it damages our worship of the Lord. So what is your response to the word of God today? I think as God's children, anytime the word is open and discussed in Sunday school, at home and family worship, at church through the preaching of God's word, we all respond to God's word somehow. Sometimes we just say good sermon, but that should not be the only response. In fact, you, shouldn't, you should thank the Lord for what the Lord has done. What is your response to the word of God today? Will you listen to what we have heard from others? Or will you take care of your soul and the souls of others by focusing on what Jesus has said? Is there reconciliation that you need to pursue? If something immediately is popping into your mind right now, that probably means you should pursue that. I encourage you not to wait in addressing heart problems. The worship of God matters today. And know this, God is our judge. You will stand before him. You will give an account. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. And if you've not ever entered into a relationship with Christ, your first step is reconciliation, is to be reconciled to God. That's your first step. Turn from your sins and call on Christ alone for your salvation. You need a relationship with Christ. Without it, there is no forgiveness of your sins. Oh, how great it is to be forgiven. How wonderful it is to be in here and to know that all my sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. There is nothing greater in this world than being able to say, it is well with my soul. How refreshing it is as God's children to come before the Lord and to worship him, having done all that we can to live at peace with everyone. So how will you respond today to God's holy word? Father, I thank you for this morning. Father, thank you for confronting my sin, my pride, my ignorance, thinking that I have kept anything. Thank you for showing me, Lord, that goes beyond the letter, but it goes to the spirit. 
Father, help us as your children to live in light of your commands and your holy word. To not accept sin, to not make peace with sin. To not become angry and to sweep it under the rug and allow that anger to grow into resentment and hatred, defilement of people's characters, of slandering people who were made in your image. Lord, we need your help. We are needy in all things. Lord, grow us as your children. Lord, the ones that are not saved, convict them of their sin. Draw them to yourself. May today be the day of salvation. May they repent and turn and call on Jesus for salvation. It's in his only name that we pray and ask all these things. Amen.